almost done with our series on the book of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew this week and then next week, and then we'll be into Advent. Um, well, we're going to have a guest preacher, and then we'll be into Advent after Thanksgiving. So um, this morning, we're going to look at Matthew 27, verses 45 to 54. And uh, last week, we looked at Jesus' um, time in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prays, and he surrenders to his father's will. He says, not my will, but yours be done. And, uh, and then after that, he's betrayed, and he is brought before the, the high priest and tried and then delivered to the Roman governor, to Pilate, who, who then eventually delivers him up to be um, beaten and mocked and hung on a cross to die. And his death wasn't ordinary. There was all sorts of unique things that happened around his death as he died. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, The actual moment where he dies and all sorts of different unusual things happen. And uh, we're going to look at those things and think about them and think about what they have to say to us today um, and what they have to do with our lives this morning and this week. So listen to God's word as I read. I'm going to read from Matthew 27. Verses 45 to 54, it's printed in your order of worship. If you don't have a Bible, but you can also follow along in your Bible. I'm reading from the ESV. Listen to God's word. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now to, um, to see you, to see your glory, to see your grace, to see your power, to see your presence. And Father, we pray that you would work through your word by your spirit and that you would change each and every person here this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that most everybody in here has driven on many a road trip. You know, you've driven on the highway for miles and miles and miles. And um, if, you've, if you've done that, you know that as you drive on the highway for a long time, you know, you'll pass exit after exit after exit on the highway. And for the most part, all of those exits are extremely ordinary, you know, they're, they're very forgettable. They all just look the same. Um, they, they either have, you know, a green sign or a blue sign with a, you know, exit number 273 and the name of the town or whatever. 
Um, and sometimes they'll have another, a couple signs that tell you what hotels you can stay at or what gas you can get or what fast food you can get, right? Um, occasionally, there might be another sign that, ta- that, that tells you about some random museum that you'll never even think about going to again. But they're all very forgettable, um, and they're all very ordinary and normal. Um, there are some exits that probably most of us know, even if we've never stopped there. If you've ever driven down Route 95 through the Carolinas, um, you guys have seen uh, the exit for south of the border, I'm sure. You guys know the exit for south of the border? Some of you guys have probably been there. Some of you guys have just driven by. But um, the reason we know about south of the border is because um, no matter what is at that exit, there is sign after sign after sign after sign after sign saying, you don't want to miss this. You've got to stop. If you, if you don't stop, you'll regret it, right? And uh, I, I, was, uh, I was just talking to Silas this, this week, and, uh, and he and Cass drove down 95 when they came down to Florida. We, we took a different route, but they came down 95. And, and he said, you know, that's exactly how I felt. You know, we drove by it, and it didn't look very impressive. It didn't look like much was there, but I, I felt like I was missing out on something, you know? I thought that's kind of like empty feeling in my stomach. I really should have stopped. You know, I'm missing out on something. Because of all of these signs, <clears throat> it, it sticks in our minds. We remember it, even if we don't stop there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Most deaths that happen throughout the world, um, they're, they're very ordinary, I've got to say. Um, except for the people who, who are very close to the person or the people who know the person who dies, um, most deaths are, are, are easy to overlook by the majority of people in the world. Do you realize, I looked up this week, it's a very morbid statistic, but 178,000 people die every day in the world. That's staggering to think about. And, and you know, none of us will think a second about those deaths today, unless it's somebody that's close to us, right? Um, and even if it is somebody who's close to us and it's painful and it hurts and the loss is, 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 is significant to us, for the most part, except under uh, unusual circumstances, the actual moment of somebody dying is very ordinary, you know? Um, when they pass from this life out um, of this life, it's very ordinary. However, when you look at Jesus' death, it's anything but ordinary, right? As, as we read this passage, as we think about what happens when Jesus dies, there's all sorts of things that are unusual about his death. There are, there are all sorts of signs pointing to the fact this is important. You do not want to miss what happens here, what happened here. This is significant. If you miss what happened here, you will regret it. And so what I want to look at this morning is just four different signs, unusual things that happen around the death of Jesus that help us to understand the significance of his death and of his life and, uh, and, and really how his death calls us to respond, okay? So first of all, it's the one unique thing about the, the death of Jesus is that it's a death that darkens It's a death that darkens. Um, Verse 45 says, Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. That's from 12 p.m. till 3 p.m. That's the sixth hour to the ninth hour. There is darkness over the land. And it doesn't mean it's just kind of 
overcast like this. It, it doesn't say that it was cloudy from, from uh, the sixth hour to the ninth hour. It says there was darkness over the land. Darkness everywhere. Um, this had to have grabbed people's attention, you know? Um, in the middle of the day, dark. Like night. This, isn't, this wasn't some kind of natural thing. It wasn't a solar eclipse. You know, three hours, it's dark. In the Old Testament, darkness was associated with, with several different things. As you read through the Old Testament, one thing that's, that darkness is associated with is it's, it's associated with the, the sobering presence of God and his holiness. Like when God comes down upon Mount Sinai, it says it's enveloped in darkness. Often God's referred to as being cloaked in darkness. And it speaks to the mystery of God and the holiness of God. And, and the, the sobering presence, you know, like we, we've got to, you know, God's present. We need to be careful. And also, darkness refers to judgment a lot of times in the Old Testament. As you think of, you know, the plagues on Egypt as God rescues his people. One of those plagues is what? It's darkness. Darkness over all the land. Reminding people of the fact that God is present and he's not happy. He's bringing his judgment to bear. And I think that's what we see here. For those who are willing to notice it, the land was dark for three hours. And, then, and, and it's, it's absolutely connected to Jesus crying out. He, he cries out, did you notice? He, he quotes Psalm 22, what Silas read earlier. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the darkness settles upon the land, as the darkness settles upon Jesus, what is actually happening is he is taking upon himself the very judgment of God. He feels as though God has abandoned him. He's forsaken. He feels distance from God. That is what is happening here as Jesus dies. Um, in the beginning of the book of Matthew, the angel tells Joseph that Mary's son is going to be called Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. And then later on in the book of Matthew, several chapters ago, Jesus says, I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. That is what is happening here. As darkness falls on the land, it's, it's a visible reminder of the fact that Jesus is taking upon himself the judgment of God for all of those who will trust in him, or for all of those who will receive him. And, and this is, is sobering for all of us. It, the only way to escape God's judgment for any of us, we all deserve it, all of us. We all deserve darkness. We all deserve separation from God, distance from God. We all deserve to be forsaken from God because we all live lives that are wrapped up in our own desires, our own kingdoms, what we want, what we think is right. We don't give God the honor that he deserves, the attention he deserves, the love he deserves. And as a result, we deserve his judgment. And if we don't allow Jesus, if we don't count on Jesus to take upon himself God's judgment that we deserve, then we will never escape it. It's crucial that we recognize this, that we see this, that we notice this. But it's also, Jesus' death doesn't just darken, it also shakes. In verse 50, it says that Jesus gave up his spirit. It's at this point that he dies, right? He gives up his spirit. And then it says in verse 51 that at this moment, the earth shook 
and the rocks were split. There was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. When Jesus died, at the moment of his death, there was an earthquake, so much so that rocks were breaking apart. Can you imagine being there at that moment? You know, I've, I've never been in a big earthquake. I've only been in earthquakes where you're like, was that an earthquake? I'm, I'm not sure. But, I mean, an earthquake where rocks are splitting apart, that had to have been unsettling. That had to have been scary for people. Don't you think? I mean, that's what kind of these natural disasters do in a lot of our lives. When, when there's an earthquake, when there's like a massive storm, you know, that knocks out all the power, it, it renders us, you know, it puts us in our place. It, 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 it helps us to see that, that we are not in control. We are actually helpless. That we are not God. That there is only one who is God. Who rules over all things. And we are helpless. And needy. And I think one of the things that this does, it, 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 it presses upon the people there. There's an urgency here to understanding what is going on. You know, when, when something like an earthquake happens, that we all have a sense of urgency. Uh, um, we, we didn't have an earthquake uh, a, a week ago in our house, but uh, we had a bat flying around our house. I don't know if you've ever had a bat in your home before, but uh, there's nothing like a bat flying around your living room, you know, around your heads that will, you know, be, it's not only unsettling, but it creates a real sense of urgency for everybody. We, it was like me and, and Kim and Isaiah were in the living room at the time, and it was in the evening, and, and we're like running around the house just trying to escape this thing, you know? We like run from one room to the next, and he follows us in there, and then we run into another one, just screaming. It's embarrassing. I'm glad nobody else was there to see it. Um, it's bad enough just you guys imagining it, but uh, we finally were able to contain it. But that's the thing that, that some, sometimes things happen in our lives that, that reduce us to like all we can do is all we can think about is self preservation. <laughs> that's it. And I think that's, you know, that. that as, as the earthquake happens, as Jesus dies, there's an earthquake. Rocks are splitting apart. And I think God is putting everyone there in their place. You know, there is an urgency. There's an urgency that you need to think about what's going on here. You need to respond to what's going on here. You need to seek to understand what's going on here because if you don't, you'll be in trouble. It's a death that darkens, it's a death that shakes, it's a death that tears, a death that tears. And this is especially important in light of the fact that it's a death that shakes, it's a death that tears. When Jesus dies, Matthew tells us that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom in verse 51, right? And a lot of, a lot of you guys probably know that the, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, the temple was the place that people understood. This is the thing that, that symbolized the very presence of God, in a very real way. God was with them because the temple was there. And God's presence dwelt in the temple. When they dedicated the temple, uh, there, there was smoke that filled the temple that reminded, the fact, and reminded the people of the fact that God was present. He was there. But not only was the temple the presence, the presence of God, but there was this, this inner room, the Holy of Holies, where, where the, this, you know, the, the, the presence of God was immediate and intense in such a way that people weren't, able to, weren't allowed to go in there any time they wanted. In fact, there, it was only once a year that one person was allowed to go in. And they had to go in and, and follow a bunch of ceremonial sacrifices and things to make sure that it was okay for them to go in and be this close to God. 
the curtain that kept people from entering this Holy of Holies room, this is the curtain that was torn in two when Jesus died. And it was torn from top to bottom. This wasn't a person's doing. This was God's doing. He ripped the, 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 the curtain apart. And what does that mean? That it, 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 what that means is that the death of Jesus has given us access to God. The death of Jesus beckons us to come near to him. To come close to him. To count on the immediacy of his presence. To experience him, him in an intimate way. This God, the same God who, who, who shakes the earth and, and splits the rocks. He says, come in and come close and draw near to me. If you really think about that, that that's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Um, he, he gives us VIP access. I, I've only heard about it, um, you know, when, when you go to a concert, some people go to a concert and you can pay extra money to get VIP access, maybe like VIP where you, where you get to go backstage. You not only get to go to the concert and stand in the, in, the, in the arena, but then either before or after the concert's over, you get to go backstage and walk into the dressing room and hang out with the star. Like maybe it's a, a prize that somebody might win. And I, I, you know, I, I can only imagine that. That would be pretty cool, you know? To go from seeing this person, like just kind of this blurry figure in the distance who's singing or whatever, or performing, to be able to actually walk in and see them face to face and actually get to talk to them and actually get to know them, actually see what they're really like, kind of, right? And that's what God's, God does is he rips the curtain. He says, come near. I'm giving you VIP access. That's what the death of Jesus has done. In our, our vision statement, it says that we are set free to encounter the real God. And that's what this is talking about. That God has opened the way for us to, to come near to him and to know him. This, this mighty, majestic, holy God, this mysterious God, this all-powerful God, he invites us to come near to him and know him intimately. To be able to, to live life on a daily basis, experiencing his power. Counting on his power and his presence and his love. In an immediate, intimate, intense way. And I think it's, it's hard to believe that any of us really believe this, or are taking advantage of this. I think for the most part, a lot of us have just kind of settled for, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I come to church, and I agree with all the things that, that you know, like in the Apostles' Creed or whatever that we, that we say and the things that we sing about, but then as we go about living our lives, our expectations of the presence of God are very low. They're very low. Our, our, our expectations of what he might do in us, around us, through us. They're very low for whatever reason. Maybe we just don't want to be disappointed. You know? like the, and I think it's reflected in the way that we pray on, the, on the, the, the little that we pray, but also the things that we pray for. You know, when I'm in groups, like Bible studies and things like that, we often have a time where we like, you know, let's share prayer requests at the, at the end. And 95% of the time, the prayer requests are 
are, are for somebody that we know who is sick. And that's absolutely something that we should be praying for, for sure. But how many of us are actually praying, you know, I'd like to see God do something today that I can't explain. I'd like to see God change this person that I know in a radical way that's unexplainable other than his power working in their life. I'd like to see God change this thing that I've been struggling with in my own heart for years and years and years. I'd like to see God do something through me, speak through me in a way that, like, that changes other people's lives. You know, how many of us are really praying for things that, that only God can accomplish for today? Are we? How many of us are waking up in the morning looking forward to seeing what God is going to do because I have access to him? Jesus' death is a death that tears. He, he, he gives us complete access to this, 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 the living God, the real God, the one who is all-powerful. Are we walking with him? Are we really walking with him? The last sign that shows us this is not an ordinary death is that it's a death that awakens uh, verse 52 says that the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they appeared to many in Jerusalem after Jesus' resurrection. Now, it's hard to say, you know, what is the timeline here? Is he kind of mixed? Is it not necessarily completely chronological? Is it possible that, uh, you know, maybe the, the people were raised after Jesus was raised from the dead? Or were they raised before? I'm not sure. It's, it's tough to say. But the bottom line is, as a result of Jesus' death and his resurrection, there were people coming out of their tombs. <laughs> There were people walking out of their tombs. Saints who had died were alive again. And they were appearing to people. This is what Jesus' death has done. His death and his resurrection, it has, it has reversed death and made people come alive. Can you imagine what that was like? I can't. Can you imagine being a person in Jerusalem and uh, like seeing somebody being like, I thought that guy was dead. Wasn't he? I, am I, I, or maybe somebody you know actually comes to your door. Somebody that you loved and had lost and they're alive again. And when you get past the, the, the disbelief and you see the reality of the person, you just embrace them as you're reunited with them. You know, death is a thing that, that we, out of all the things in this world that we try to exercise control over, death is something that we are powerless against. I mean, we can kind of hold it off with our modern medicine and things like that, right? We can kind of delay death in a lot of instances, but, but none of us can stop it. None of us can stop it. And yet I love how... Um, he puts it here the, the, in verse 52. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen, as, fallen asleep were raised. They'd just fallen asleep. Why does, he, why does he refer to the people as having fallen asleep? These dead people, they were just sleeping. I mean, God does this other times. Jesus does this other times, right? We were just looking at this passage yesterday in the men's study 
where Jesus goes, goes and raises Jairus' daughter. He's like, don't worry, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And I think the reason he, one of the reasons he says, you know, he refers to death as just sleep is because this thing that we are absolutely powerless against is no more than a nap when it comes to God and what he can do. He's just like, get up. It's time to get up. And that gives me incredible hope. When I think about just my own mortality and my own future death or or those that I care about, that I love. If we are trusting in Jesus, if we've received what happened here, then we don't have to fear death. Death is no more than a, a, a temporary nap that we will take. When Jesus returns and he awakens us, and he awakens us to a, to, to a life of joy and fullness and wholeness and peace and love. Death is no more than a temporary nap for those who have received what happened here. That's why this is so significant. But if Jesus can raise people from the dead, if God can raise people from the dead through the death and resurrection of Jesus, then not only can he raise us from the dead, but, but he can... He can do all sorts of things just here and now in our lives. He can awaken us in all sorts of ways because that's what Jesus' death does. It's a death that awakens. Not just awakening people who have died, but he can awaken us. There there are so many ways, I think, that as we live our lives, we're, we're kind of sleeping through life. We're sleepwalking through life in the ways that we engage with people around us, in the ways that we fail to engage with people around us, in the ways we fail to engage with life itself. I think we, many of us are sleepwalking through life. And if Jesus can raise people from the dead, then he can awaken us to all sorts of things. He can awaken us to a new way of speaking, to a new way of, of relating to our, our spouses, to our friends, to our children, to our parents. He can awaken us. He can change us and make us different. As a side note, this had to have been at least a little unsettling. You know, as I said, if you were in Jerusalem and you saw somebody that you knew had died and now was walking around, that had to be a little scary, right? Don't you think? I mean, I, I, I probably would have maybe turned and walked the other way. I'm like, what is going on here? It had to have been a little bit scary. And I think this is the thing. Experiencing God's power to bring life, to awaken me, can be a scary thing as well. To, to think about God awakening me to a new way of living, a new way of using the resources he's given me, a new way of, of speaking to, to others about who he is. It can be scary. Because if God is going, if we're, if we're going to say, God, I'm going I'm I'm to follow you and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to expect you to do things that I can't even imagine, I'm going to count on you to awaken me to life it's not going to look the way that we think it's going to look. It's going to be unpredictable. It's going to be scary. We don't fully know how it will actually affect life or change it when God awakens us. But I'm sure, I'm certain of it, that it's better to be awake and alive than it is to be asleep. (laughs) Asleep to all sorts of things in this world. And so this is it. Our, our, 
there's all sorts of signs pointing to the, the significance and the power of Jesus' death. You know, it's a death that darkens, a death that shakes, a death that tears, open a way for us to enter the presence of God and live in the presence of God. It's a, it's, it's a death that awakens us. It has the power to make us new and change things. And the question is, will we pay attention to the signs? I think so much of Living life as a Christian is just trying not to be oblivious to what God has done and what God has said, what God has promised. To all of the signs, God is saying, look, look, look at my love for you. Look at what I've done for you. A lot of the Christian life is just trying not to be oblivious, trying to actually take it in and pay attention to what he has done and what he promises there's a cartoon that I saw a while ago of these, uh, there's these two guys in an office. One guy's sitting down at his desk. The other guy's standing in front of him at his desk. The guy at his desk has a big Mylar balloon that says, it's my birthday. And he's got a big party hat. It says, birthday boy on it. And the guy standing in front of him at his desk, he's like, okay, I give up. What's special about today? I think that's our problem. In light of God's, what God has done what he has shown us through Jesus in his life, in his death here, his resurrection. Are we going to be oblivious to it? Are we going to pay attention to it? Are we going to, are we going to miss it? Just like a lot of these people in this passage missed it, you know, the, the bystanders. Clueless about what's going on. Even the centurion who says, surely this is the son of God. I, I, you know, he said, he said some, something that sounded right, but I doubt he had a fully formed idea of the fact that this is really the Messiah. He just had a sense that this guy is, you know, connected to something he did not understand. Are we going to miss it or are we going to take it in and believe it and receive it? Let's pray. Father, we, we pray that you would help us um, rescue us from just driving past all of the signs. We pray that you would help us to to fix our eyes on the cross. We pray that you would awaken us to the beauty of the cross, the glory of the cross, the power of the cross. And we pray that, Father, that, that even today, we would awaken from our sleep and we would live differently even if it's in just small ways, that we would live differently, that we would have different expectations for our day because you are as close as you possibly can be. Father, we, we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We now have an opportunity to...